Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Awards Radar podcast, coming to you in the heart of spooky season as well as the end of, at least for me, festival season. Which is kind of what we're going to focus on this week. We have those two topics plus some questions and uh, wherever wherever this takes us. So buckle up. This could be very short or very long. <clears throat> we have left both options on the table. Also, uh, tease it out. I think when we wrap up horror, I want to say that episode will come out on November 2nd. Assuming we record on the first, we might have Kendall with us back to talk uh, haunted houses. I believe Ooh. she's going to one at the end of the month. Yes. Um, speaking of, Robert's going to write about this on Sunday, but have you heard about that, like, insane one that just, like, tortures people? I've heard of a few like that. There's somewhere, like, you need to sign a waiver or something, or, like, it's, like, like they like, it's, like, a full, like, 20-page dossier on, like, all the ways they yes. could potentially psychologically torture mm. you and, like, scar you for mm. life. Yeah, yeah, McCamey Manor. I want to think it's called. I think it's called. I think there's a few um, like that. I've heard. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe there's one that's more famous than the others. I'm Miles, everyone. By the way, I'm here. Yeah, I was. I was. I, I realized it's like, ooh, this could be a hard transition to do that. Um, <laughs> Every episode no, um, is somebody's first episode. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Um, I'm Joey. People should know that by now. My name's all over the place here. Um, Ro- uh, Robert's going to write about it on Sunday because he's like, this is bad. Essentially, um, he made a good point. I skimmed the article, not to spoil it, but like promoting it i guess you know he's like listen joey loved saw 10 right but if i was uncomfortable with it i can leave like kevin grutert has no control over whether i stay right sure he doesn't even know if i do whereas in this thing apparently like they have um i don't know if they have or if they have the uh, the option to they can pull your teeth they can drug you like it's it's insane um i think the thing is they like stream it so like people in like the the group watch it, so it's essentially just it's that like it's, uh, no one's finished it, no one's been able to do it. Apparently, because they were in San Diego, they've moved to I want to say Tennessee or Arkansas, one of the two, because there is a transportation to the other location if you get far enough, and no one's gotten that far. Sure, it should be our thing, and it just sounds so off putting. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's I I feel like it's one of those tricky things with horror. And this is just as true in movies as it is in, like, real-life experiences like that, where there is a line that you have to be careful about crossing where it is just, like, torturing people in a way that's not fun. And it seems, like, I don't know, contradictory that that would be fun in the first place. But there is, you know, people go to haunted houses, people do Halloween Horror Nights and all sorts of, the, you know, these things, the mazes and spooky season stuff like that. We we love it all. Like, we are going because we want to be spooked or startled or unsettled or what have you. But I think there is a line where it does just become like... I don't know. This is well, like, like if, if you're getting your teeth yanked out, then that yeah. crosses the line into some weird like. Well, we want to we want to watch Saw. Show. Yeah, yeah. We want we don't want to be in it. How do you feel about haunted houses? We'll talk about this with Kendall, but I'm just curious. I generally am a big fan. I, I I I feel like I'm never quite satisfied. I if they're very tame, it's like whatever. And if they're a little more hardcore, I don't want to be touched. Sure, like I, I That's don't. Definitely, fair. I don't want a stranger coming up and like touching me because I. 
Like, I'm not a particularly, well, I was about to say I'm not a confrontational person. I can be. I have a little bit of asshole in me. But, like, it's hard when someone, like, aggressively comes up and touches you that you don't want to hit them. No, And I know you're not, like, you're not supposed to, but, like, that, 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 if they're doing their job right in that scenario, your, your instinct of, like, you're bad, get away from me kicks in. And I just, you don't want to deal with it. So, like, there's a, there's a happy medium. That, and, like, the, the, the one that um, Robert's writing about, apparently you have to tell them your fears, and they design it around you. So like, totally. I don't want shit with spiders and stuff coming in. Like I'd have to lie and be like, my my fears are really good sex and, um, you know, large breasted women. Like it, you'd have to like lie and they'd never pick you. I imagine either that it would be very <laughs> imagine if Jigsaw had to like put out a questionnaire first. Well, it's kind of this. I don't know if you remember um, there was a one of the uh, Silent Hill games. I want to say the one that was on the Wii. Um, had this whole element where like there's a framing device where you're talking to a psychiatrist and you're like answering these various questions about how things make you feel and the whole isn't that until dawn no that i mean that has an element of they that. do it too they do it as well yeah. uh, it's not quite the same thing but in this and I, I think it's shattered memories i want to say is the one could be and uh but basically the idea is that th- the various things that you say then manifest in the game and so because yeah, of the limit does that too because of the limitations often unfortunately that manifests as like oh that monster is pink instead of yellow but yeah. um you know it, it's it's a similar uh, shortcoming i feel where totally. if you just write it in a form like that it's like oh okay he's afraid of spiders we'll put a bunch of spiders in it's like oh great well yeah. like if i'm yeah, genuinely thanks. terrified of spiders i'm not gonna fucking t- put spiders on there am i exactly so, i mean i did that in i did that in until dawn like they, i think there was a snakes or spiders like question and i was like well i want to pick snakes because i don't give a shit snakes are fine i mean listen if you actually read all the fine print and they don't do anything beyond that and you agree to that experience then you know god be with you but i think um i don't know i feel like there's got to be a more subtle way to get under your skin than to just like what are the things that scare you all right let's make a thing where like we throw all the things and i'm sure it is more subtle than that but I don't know. I mean, we'll look at. I think we should. Um, after Robert's article comes out, let's look at it, and then if Kendall does come on and we talk haunted houses for that last episode, let's um, let's research this this guy a little bit. Sure. And see sure. if we can uh, speak more of it. I just it was on my mind. Uh, also, now that you mentioned video games, like ooh, on Friday, Spider Man Two. Oh, that's that. true. I can't wait to play it in like two or three years when it goes on sale. Well, yeah, there you go. It's a start. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm. I don't think I don't know if the reviews have come out yet. I'm very curious. I I, I've seen some good. early ones. Um, everything I've seen is very positive. Excellent, excellent. Because I did, I finished Miles Morales, not for lack of like putting it off <laughs> um, ability. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I literally wanted to put it off until close to this in case it was like picking up. That and I think I had addressed it at one point. Oh no, Beowulf just did a 3D thing. Sorry, uh, the entire know, movie is to, like, Beowulf doing a 3D thing. I know. <laughs> My my movie in the background on mute um, was Elizabethtown, a favorite, but then it turned into something else. So I flipped and it turned into Beowulf. And I was just like, that's something interesting to have on the background. But someone threw a hatchet and it did that like slow-mo, it's coming towards the camera thing. And I was like, oh no. Are you up to the, um, uh, the Austin Powers fight scene where they find every creative way to not show the junk? Uh, not quite. Right now they're, they're um, I think Anthony Hopkins jumped off something and, and Beowulf became the king. We probably have like a half hour left or something like that. I don't remember this movie very well because it wasn't particularly good. Um, But no, I I, 
with um with Spider Man with Miles Morales, I had um I was playing the Star Wars game at the same time at one point, mm-hmm. and the control scheme was different enough that I was like, wait, 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 <laughs> I have to play one, otherwise I'm I have that problem a lot with like similar ish games, like even something where like I was playing like um Hitman and Sifu simultaneously, and even little things yeah. like you know like getting like things like dash and reload confused with each other in a tight situation can like really yeah. screw you oh yeah and in hitman a game that you don't often shoot for a game which interesting for a game about hitman a uh, hitman you don't want to accidentally fire your gun and be like well this is for shit now yep <laughs> So um, I'll talk about Spider-Man 2 once I play it a little bit. Just exciting. Actually, you know what we should talk about quickly since we're talking about Hitman? We should talk about The Killer. Yes, please. I saw The Killer. That's how I wrapped up um, MYFF. And we'll talk about the festival season, I think, later after we do our horror stuff. Um, and maybe we'll double back to talk a little Fincher. But um, I had such a good time with The Killer. Like, um, full disclosure, it's not really an awards movie. Um, it's technically proficient and like I would love it to get a couple of nominations, but it's it's it, you know, you would uh, you and I had talked about it like hopefully this is like Fincher and Andrew Kevin Walker just picking up where they left off. And boy, howdy, is it like also it's kind of his funniest movie. OK, like like sort of inexplicably. I mean, it's a very dark sense of humor uh, from Fincher. But, no. Yeah. Like this dude. uh is having a blast and and there's small moments like every time he goes um to a new location and travels you know he travels under a fake name and they're all um sitcom names okay so like you know it's uh archibald bunker george jefferson felix unger like it's just sitcom stars okay. and they get more and more obscure as the movie goes on it's just very funny to me that that's like a small moment or just how he solves some of the issues it's very Hitman-esque and that like here's a – you know, there's 10 ways to solve this. You can do the, the boring way. You can get real weird with it and a lot of times uh, Fassbender's guy is getting weird with it. Okay. Like I won't say what he does but when you see it a couple times, you're like, what a fucking ingenious and silly and simple plan, uh, plan he put in the play. Um, also, he's like – makes a point of saying like it's not that he's that amazing at his job but he put in the 10,000 hours. Sure. And be- – because something has sort of gone awry, like it throws him off a lot. So there's one scene where he's expecting someone to like, oh, you're going to you're going to live for about seven minutes until you bleed out. And as he's saying it, the guy dies. <laughs> he's like, all right. Mm hmm. OK. <laughs> it's also just brutal when you get to like what he's up to. The movie is very clear about what's happening. But because it's Fincher, you're like, I, I wonder if like if there's going to be a twist. Or- nope. This is just. Lean, mean, and efficient, and here's the story you came for. I'm giving it to you. Sure. And boy, is it a good time. Like, we, I, myself and several people in the audience were howling at times. Ooh, I'm excited. And it's nervous. It's nervous laughter and, like, awkward laughter because it's not, um, you know, they're not punchlines per se. But there, there's some real good bits. So I, I can't wait for you to see it. Um and we can talk Fincher once you do that, because it's going to be in some theaters this month. But I suspect you're, uh, it might be a, a hard sell for you there. Oh, I mean, it's I love Fincher when he's on. So, like, if we get a chance, I'll try. I'm more worried about Netflix not giving it enough of a reach for it to reach us. Well, that's that's the case. It's like, will it, will it be a pain in the ass to, to see or will sure. it be right there? So we'll see. I, I don't know. I don't know because I think it's not necessarily an awards play and it's more of a building a relationship with him. Uh, so I, I, we'll see, I guess. But it is going to theaters. So that's something. 
take that as a win. I mean, listen, um, if you're in the filmmaker recruitment business, you could do a lot worse than to keep Fincher in your ballpark. Exactly. Well, we'll see what happens with Apple and and, and Scorsese. We'll, we'll talk that next week once Miles has seen it. I, I talked about it when I saw it a little bit, but it's good. It's very good. It's really great. It's long. Gird your loins, but it is uh, it is uh, it is worth seeing. So uh, definitely, definitely watch that. We'll talk about it next week. We'll do our Scorsese rankings next week. Um, we'll probably do. I guess we'll do our Fincher rankings once you've seen The Killer. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I was I was so into it. It made me like just want to go watch other uh, Fincher movies again, like the fun ones. Well, because not necessarily Mank. There's a handful that have like a very specific like Fincher vibe that kind of is what you look for. And yeah, I've been looking for something to scratch that itch for a while. Yeah, I mean, and th- that's what it was. This just scratched an itch in a way that I I didn't even know I wanted scratched. But especially as we got toward the end of the festivals and like there's not a lot I haven't seen now. I was just I was looking for something and I got it. Good year for Hitman movies. Yeah, I know. Or just movies with killer in the title. Yeah. Uh, or it wasn't Netflix double feature of Hitman and the and the killer. There you go. At some point, because they don't I don't know what they're doing with the with Hitman yet. And then uh, nobody's bought it yet, but um, Knox goes away. The the Michael Keaton movie, yeah, yeah, is a whole a whole sort of. I I liked it a lot. Got very mixed reviews, but I liked it very much. Like uh, like reading a novel uh, version of this. I think I think you would get into it. It's a little slow, but if you're into watching him, sure, sure, which I think you are. You know, it'll uh, it'll scratch another itch there. So um, that's sort of the where I was. I saw the Taylor Swift documentary. Miles is deeply uninterested in that. Um, couldn't care less if you like her exactly good for good for people like her I had a blast because I like her um, what else did I see um, that I can think of I don't oh Ferrari I guess was the other one right sure Ferrari's Ferrari's alright um, Penelope Cruz very good Adam Driver better than he was in, in uh, House of Gucci but kind of the same accent so you're thrown a little bit um, I wasn't super into the the relationship stuff. It's not bad, but it feels slightly incongruous with the uh, the racing stuff, which is also not bad. Um, it's fine. It's a it's a solid movie. the The racing stuff is very kinetic and visual because it's Michael Mann. There's also this thing like uh, those cars are death traps at the time, and there's a couple of crashes that are spectacular. There is one um, that when you see it. Because I, I think you would like it overall, the movie. It's worth seeing as opposed to like the other biopics where like, I can do without this. Sure. There's a crash in the third act that is the gnarliest thing. And it comes out of nowhere. It's like very hard to surprise people in a racing movie, you know. Um, but what happens in that scene? And I believe it's real, too. I mentioned it to my dad. He's like, yeah, I know. I was like, really? Um, you'll, you'll be like, whoa. It is, it's maybe the biggest like shock pseudo horror scene of the year oh. and we've seen saw Interesting. Uh, so if anything that scene is worth alone uh you checking it out but and also just there's some funny early stuff with penelope cruz and, and him um shailene woodley miscast as an italian woman oh i assume she was playing an american for some reason oh that's no that's disastrous <laughs> no she's his mistress oh i don't like that um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it doesn't Nothing do against her, any her. It's just... No, I like her. That's... <laughs> yeah. And she's not bad. She's just miscast. Like, And, and that role is just... I, I don't know. I got very little out of that section. It's kind of a tool for the rest of the that part of the movie. Mm-hmm. 
and I and I'm less I don't know I was just I was just less interested like I didn't I didn't get as much out of her scenes which is a, is a shame because she's probably my favorite actress of the three believe it or not but the material maybe not the best fit sure so th- there's that um, we'll come back to festival stuff in a little bit let's let's turn our attention to the to the horror of it all what's what's been going on with spooky season because I have um. I have a horror movie I have seen as well we can talk about. Oh, brilliant. Uh, So, yeah, another week, another batch of 31 days of Halloween. I want to say the last one we touched on would have been Totally Killer. Yes, you were indifferent to it. Yeah, a bit of a disappointment, sadly. Um, Fortunately, things bounced back in a very big way the next night. Uh, We got to John Carpenter's The Fog, which uh, is probably his biggest one that i hadn't seen um Mm -hmm. and had you seen the remake no okay Um, you're not missing anything no i had heard as much um it's a cw cast like it's that kind of movie yeah yeah no i even at the time i was like this looks like nothing um but um i had an absolute blast with it i want to say it's probably the high point of the month so far very nice. Um, it's just a classic. It's him at the height of his powers, like no muss, no fuss, just like a really nice, gnarly, spooky ghost story. Uh, great visuals, gr- amazing score, solid cast. Like er- everything just kind of comes together with this one. Um, so, yeah, very big fan of that. And funny thing was, mm-hmm. it wasn't even originally on our list. I, I can't remember what we were supposed to watch that night. Now I'm like blanking on it. Zombie strippers. I can't remember, but um, we... Um, That's a real movie. I didn't even make that up. <laughs> I've seen it. It's awful. Um, I know. It sucks. It should be fun, and it's not. No, it doesn't. No. Um, but... Um, like, you would direct that movie if they offered it to you, right? Thinking it would be fun. No, I think like, I, I think I would go into a legitimate production of zombie strippers without any illusions about what it would be. Well, I mean, you could have fun with that still. It doesn't look like anyone had fun making that movie, though. No, but that's that's the problem with that level of thing. Yeah, like you can you anything can be an enjoyable experience. Yeah, and, but and the people it, who are paying I, for zombie strippers aren't paying you for your fun ideas. That's, that's true, the but they also weren't getting what they paid for. I don't think. I think what well, they had in their head was not what they, that movie I, turned into. I don't know what they wanted. Tax shelter, probably. Well, there you go. <laughs> but like. I would argue as a general thing, and tell me if you agree or not, if everyone involved in a movie is having a very good time, oftentimes you have a good time watching it, even if it's not a good movie. There is something infectious about there's joy in this production. Right. Whereas if everyone's having a miserable time, you're not necessarily going to have a miserable time. There's plenty of classics that everyone hated everyone and it turned out amazing, but you can kind of tell. Like... And, and and only mild shades Bruce Willis in this case, but like you can tell when Bruce Willis didn't want to be on set, right? Sure. And I'll leave out some of the later ones because he may not have known where he was, but there were ones where he was still cognizant where you could tell was like, oh, this is a fucking paycheck and I'm annoyed at this. Yeah. And he's not the only one. Plenty of people do it. And, and like the camera doesn't lie. When that's happening, you don't buy the part as much. You're watching yeah. a bored actor. And I think the same thing goes for directors. Yeah, no, exactly. If there's no enthusiasm, no juice, no enthusiasm, um, no engagement behind it, then yeah, yes. that translates. Sure. And I think as we get into your movies you've watched, especially when you get into a, a certain filmmaking duo, there there is nothing but enthusiasm, even if there's not like money or time or, you know, it's ambition and enthusiasm. And I think that's with horror, especially 
well, you those have a budget. It's kind of half the battle. That is half the battle, very much so. And and yeah, as we ping pong around wildly different, you know, subgenres or budget ranges or intentions, you know, we see wildly different results. Um, yeah. So speaking of ping ponging, uh, the next was uh, Friday the Thirteenth in October. So come on, I had to do a Friday Thirteenth film. Um, we didn't really pre-plan this one. Um, so we just went with what we felt like on the day, uh, which ended up being Jason X, which is, it's a fun one. It's not one of the better ones, but it is one of the more rewatchable ones, uh, just because of how big and over the top and silly it is. Um, yeah. so yeah, not, not a ton to say about it. It's, you know, we've talked about the series before, but, um, it is it's satisfyingly stupid. It is probably the best slasher character goes to space movie, which is a very low bar to clear, but I do think it clears it. Yeah, yeah. He beats Leprechaun. He beats Leprechaun and Pinhead, you know. Like, yeah. So far, we'll say Jigsaw. I, listen, man, there's still time. There's still time. If he, I, I would argue it's impossible, like, in terms of the movie series they've been doing, but in terms of the possibilities of, like, in space saw it could work the problem is saw hasn't gotten stupid enough yet they're still doing stuff in continuity there needs to be like at least a full like you know recast continuity break for it to get that stupid and i don't think we're there yet but i mean we just had a massive success by diving head first into continuity so if anything we're further now from space than we've ever been that's true. I mean, I'm fine with it. Listen, I like what they're doing. I like what they're but, doing um, as well, but those particular goofy dreams may have to be tabled to fill at least Saw 20. That's true. You know who? Um, I th- I'm trying to interview uh, Michael Kennedy. Or I think I am going to interview Michael Kennedy, and we'll talk about his uh, latest movie in a little bit, but he's he could write an in-space movie. Totally. I don't think he would do Saw necessarily, but it, like a slasher no. in space kind of thing. Yeah, you give him the right like sort of angle on it he would he would be all over that yeah with a nice pun yeah well we'll talk about it a little bit there you go um so afterwards uh we went with um a i don't know if you call it a classic but definitely one that um has been on my radar for a very long time which is possession and um yes tough watch very much so um this is a movie that it's it's the thing we talk about where it's sometimes more frustrating when a movie is good but not great because you know yeah. how close it could have it was to greatness. There's a lot that I really like about this movie. I think the performances are phenomenal. Um, mm. I think there's some really great camera work and some just direction overall. There's some really creepy scenes and moments. There's some A plus people going crazy and damaging, you know, restaurants and houses. <laughs> I lo- lo- yeah. love all of that. Um, but it is very artsy fartsy. Yes. And I, and like very much to a fault. And I think th- the problem is it starts off very engaging and the premise is relatively straightforward. And it's just like, you're mostly just watching these two people go crazy, you know, both together and apart um and yeah gradually and that in and of itself is honestly enough but i think yes there's a handful of subplots that take a little too long to sort of tie together and then when you finally when the other shoe does finally drop and you see what is actually going on 
it's so bizarre and it's you know to its credit you know well put together um i won't spoil it for because somehow i didn't have it spoiled for me i don't know how um but uh it, not if, it, maybe not enough people saw it i don't know yeah i mean it's something um and i don't have a problem with it i think it's quite interesting but i think it's it's that us problem where they give you just enough information that you're frustrated they don't give you more information. Yeah. And so um, at the end of it, I was, it was kind of just one of those less than the sum of its parts situations where I was kind of, I liked it more than I didn't, but I it, it didn't yeah, yeah. fully come together as much as I'd hoped. The one time I saw it, I remember being thrown because for some reason it, it didn't occur to me that Sam Neill would be in an artsy fartsy movie. Like he just, I, maybe it's because you you think of him as like Jurassic Park, and I think he was in an Invisible Man movie. Like he just, he he didn't strike me as like he would be in an art film. Well, see, so it just felt almost com- weirder because of I'm it. coming at this being like Sam Neill is like the MVP of vaguely Lovecraftian horror movies because you look well, at now, this, yeah. you look at well, I mean, oh well, I mean, this would have been then. the early one, but like he's one, right? Well, you look at In the Mouth of Madness and you look at Event Horizon. Like I know he's been in a True. lot of big horror movies, but I still feel like he needs to be doing more horror movies. Yeah, I don't know that Event Horizon counts as artsy fartsy. No, weird. but it counts as Lovecraftian horror. That's I'm, true. I'm talking it's about also horror like, more so than true, true, true. Very also, I think, sort of divisive. I think it was kind of hated at the time. Yeah, it's it's one of those ones that's had sort of a cultural reassessment. And I definitely, yeah. I think there's a lot of things about it that are definitely worth recommending. There is the one sort of central famous scene in the subway that like it somehow didn't occur to me until or it, it didn't click for me until I was like reading the Wikipedia synopsis after what's actually going on in that scene. And mm. uh, once I realized it, it definitely was one of those like, Oh, for fuck's sake, did that have to be what it was? Like, it's just well, so horrendous. And like, I I don't know, like there's already so much going on that I don't know that that was, but that's just my personal taste. That's, you know, every, any movie can show whatever and depict whatever. But I personally, it, it's not something no, sure. that won me any special points with the movie. Uh, the movie is is a very good description of a lot. It is a lot. And, you know, yes. your mileage may vary. Um, For sure. After that, uh, keeping the P going, uh, we uh, went back to one that is a favorite of mine, but Kelly hadn't seen it. Pontypool. Mm, um, nice. Small. Very small little Canadian um, horror, like very much theatrical staging to the point where it has been adapted for stage. Uh, I would imagine, yeah. I would love to do the stage version. Um, it's good. It's a lot of fun. It's a very unique take on a zombie sort of outbreak. Um, Stephen McCaddy getting a rare um, leading role where he kind of gets a chance to shine. And um, yeah, there's not a ton to say about it, but it's got a very unique premise, um, similar to, as we'll get into with a certain directing duo, it's got that, you know, the eyes are bigger than the stomach, you know, ambition to it. But I think for the most part, because it grounds its premise and its location so thoroughly, I think it overall um, uh, works more than it doesn't. Yeah, I, I had oddly come to the movie kind of randomly because I had um, I had seen the Tracy fragments the year before. Okay. 
um, he, uh, uh, Bruce McDonald, the director, made a lot of indie movies. Like he's a dude who works all the time or worked all the time. And I coming off of Juno, um, Elliot Page, Ellen Page at the time was um, hot, right? Very, mm-hmm. very much like let's get them in things. And yeah. this was, I, I want to say, a small Canadian film they'd done prior to Juno coming out. It, I, my time may be wrong on it, but it's it's very um, weird and um, has um, just a lot going on. And I, I want to say it's one of those, it's, it's done um, with a bunch of scenes happening at once, one of those movies. Um, I'm trying to think of the other one. Um, the dude who made uh, Leaving Las Vegas made one like it as well. Okay. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. It's split screen. Sorry, I'm, I'm tired and don't feel well. So it's just off-putting in a way that's like, you're, you're like, this is art. But also, to what end? Yeah. And I think Pontypool is much leaner. Yeah, it's, it's more credit. of a genre exercise. And I think it's it's got its eye on the prize in terms of it. It knows what it is and what it's trying to be. And it never... It never goes much further than that, and I think that's that's fine and that works and it's definitely it's it's perfect for right in the middle of the month, um, right around now to just kind of like ease in between extremes. Mm, for sure. Um, so next up, it was the original idea was that it was going to be kind of a Stephen McCaddy double feature um, because next up we've got Come to Daddy. Um, mm, I remember that movie starring Elijah okay. Wood and him. And, uh, yeah, well, first of all, if you're going in expecting a Stephen McCaddy showcase, no, I mean, an argument could be made that he's the best performance in the film, but he definitely doesn't have the most screen time. That is very true. And that's all I'll say to that. Um, full credit. It's a movie where is constantly sort of keeping you guessing, uh, not, yes. not quite sure where it's necessarily going. It had a, and it's nowhere near the quality of these films, but in the similar way that something like Barbarian or even Parasite might have, that sort of like, oh, this is not where I thought we were going. Oh, and it's taken another twi- turn. Like, yeah, it, it, a much less effective, but that same yes. nature of storytelling. It has a to what end, though, feeling. Well, and that's where it falls apart, unfortunately. First first and foremost, this is unfortunately probably the biggest case of genre fraud in the four years that I've been doing this. This is not a horror movie, straight up. Like, Not really, no. It's, not even it's not thriller. really. There's two pretty gruesome kills. Yeah. And there's one very brief section where it seems like there may be some sort of supernatural element going on. Um, But outside of that, it's I would I would compare it more to like, you know, a C grade like Coen Brothers crime thriller. Yeah, it's it's got more almost more black comedy. It, than, it's more uh, than horror. It, it's more about these quirky characters and this violent situation, and there's this, th- and uh, without going into any specifics, like ev- everyone in it is good. Like Elijah Wood, I always like in a genre thing. McCaddy, Martin Donovan gets a chance to really play against type. Um, mm-hmm. Michael Smiley is making some choices. Um, there's a lot of choices. There's a lot of choices, but it, like you said, it's all very much to what end. And I think the problem yeah. is that it doesn't, once you find out what everything is, which you actually kind of all the cards are on the table shockingly early. It's then just a matter mm. of how things are going to resolve. Um, 
But like at a certain point, there's no new surprises beyond just sort of the choices that people are going to make. And um, yeah. I don't know, like in, especially in the early going where it seems like there's so much potential and it could go. And especially because I think it starts the best. The first act is the best part where it's just Elijah Wood and Stephen McCaddy. And you're sort of there's a lot of tension to that relationship. And there's a lot of like you're wondering where it's going to go. And then when the movie kind of becomes about other things none of those other things are even close to as interesting and then by the time you get to the end it's just sort of a what was the point of all that um so i agree so, so a bit of a bummer on that one yeah i probably would have steered you away from it um in terms of horror but it's, we didn't get to that. it's always like i i watched it on tubi and it's listed there as horror imdb wikipedia all have it as a horror comedy so i first f- found out about it from bloody disgusting um, I mean, listen, it's worth watching, but at the same time, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would not for this, not for not this for series, this, certainly. But and it's not even. I wouldn't yeah. even call it a. It's similar to Totally Killer, and that it's not a bad movie by any stretch. But for for the sake of something like this, definitely not what we're looking for. Exactly. Did I did I sort of enjoy it at the time? Probably. I think I remember being like, all right, this is fine, but like competent, like not unenjoyable. But for I want my horror kicks, and especially I want something different. Or a new experience? Yeah, you didn't get that. No. So, but, a bit of a letdown there. <laughs> where you went next, I think. But if we're we are now into veering the, into where, a I think we're doing. new direction, uh, which we've yes. been sort of building up to here, is that uh, this week we got into uh, the filmography of Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. And um, we've... Two weirdos. Yeah, quite. Um, it's kind of fascinating and I, I didn't really think about this until today, but, um, they're currently doing uh, season two of Loki, which you would think. Yeah. It's wild. They got that job. Well, honestly, with, they're where, not a bad fit, but it, with where I'm the at in their filmography, I think they're actually in a, a perfect fit for that job. Um, I, I mean, as when you get to, when you finish with them, we'll talk more. <laughs> <laughs> well, both in terms of what they do and in terms of Marvel's tendencies to pick people up from the festival circuit and throw them in the meat grinder. Yeah, they also do do, do that. Um, but um, so as of recording, um, we are three films in. Um, we have seen Resolution, Spring and The Endless. And right. I will talk about my experience with them, and then I actually want to sort of source your input because okay. we have a few different directions in terms of where we could go next. Um, so starting with resolution, um, very it reminds me a lot of that era of pseudo mumblecore horror films, indie horror films that came out around the same time. Stuff like yes. uh, Adam Wingard's films. Basically, anybody who's been done a VHS segment would probably qualify for this kind of era Which that I'm funny. talking about. And I know they've they have done, done a VHS. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I looked it up. It's one of the ones I haven't seen, and I'm not going to. It's um, I'm gonna tell you what it. Let me tell. Uh, this is it's, it's viral. Fair. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, viral is the worst one. It's a fair segment. It's honestly not the worst segment there, but it's you're not missing anything. It's what you think it is. It's actually pretty straightforward compared to what they've been doing. Sure, which well, is an interesting thing. Yeah, what they've been doing is anything but straightforward. Yes. Um, so starting with resolution, it, it does start admittedly straightforward. It feels very much like a film I could have made or like, mm. well, not, okay, that 
That didn't come out the way I meant it. Uh, but when, you know, with the adequate resources, I, I was very entertained to see American Express was one of the major producers. Um, sure. Um, it says American Express Presents at the beginning. It's very funny. Yeah. Um, you know, we had American Express money and a great location like they found and like, you know, the basic resources like that. It's not so much that we could have. It's more like it's the kind of film we would have tried to make where it's very yeah, they, down. They seen... It's two characters in a location and like a handful of supporting people. And it's mainly about the relationship and the slow burn as you sort of unravel the sort of extra layer Kelly and I have entered sort of this period where we've gone through a series of films in a row. And these are mostly very much part of that where you spend half of the film or more waiting for the other shoe to drop. And yeah, that's their thing kind of, and it's very much their thing. And we had a few leading up to it as well. So it just feels even more so, um, depending on the film, they'll wait various degrees of the way through before letting the shoe drop. Um, yes. to various degrees of effectiveness. Um, with resolution, I think it's one of those things where it, the concept is probably more interesting than the execution of it. But I think they make a smart choice in grounding it in the relationship between the two friends because I think that does... Not that either of them are amazing actors necessarily, but there is something that feels sort of naturalistic and authentic there and it does kind of ground things while you're waiting for sort of the bigger machinations to take shape um yeah and which we'll get to in a moment not every film does that and it really makes a difference um so yeah resolution i thought was solid like not amazing but like we were curious enough to keep going yeah um, i mean it has a thing i don't like in it as you know Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, not a big deal, but it's a it very, bugged me. It's a very quick, you know, blink and you miss it sort of affair. But yes, it is. Yeah. I definitely understand that. Um, oh, and um, surprise Zon McLaren appearance. Always a pleasure. Um, mm -hmm. But then, yes, we went into spring, um, which is a favorite of both Richard Linklater and Guillermo del Toro. And I can't imagine why. Yeah. Also, it's wasn't this supposedly like in a, a pseudo sequel or like could have been like it's in the same world or whatever they, they tried to make. The Not case yet. Of. We'll get to that. Something something they did did that. I don't remember which one. It the is. Endless. We'll get to it. Ah, OK. They blend a little bit for me. Yeah. No, we'll spring is the most its own thing out of the three so far. But um, mm. resolution in the endless. <laughs> We'll get to it. When I read the Wikipedia thing for The Endless, it's like, you know, there are certain overlapping characters and could be interpreted as a partial sequel. Then I watch the movie oh. and there's like a 30 minute segment dealing with the characters from Resolution. That's just like, oh, this would be nonsense if you hadn't seen that other movie. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> um, but we'll get to that in a second. Spring is my favorite of theirs so far. Um, Excellent. It's, it's kind of doing the before movies better than the before movies, if I may say so. Um, I mean, I disagree, but there's something this is doing that the before movies are definitely not doing. I agree. Sure. Well, and you know my stance with those where I just probably came to them too late. But um, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely doing a thing. 
it's one of those things where I've seen several different versions of this movie over the years or like this a variation on this concept. And it's very easy for it to do things like for the guy to be an unlikable or self-entitled prick or for her to be a manic pixie dream girl or kind of a, you know, a cypher or a Tim Burton goth girl or whatever. And it's there's there's a lot of potential pitfalls that they could fall into, but they never really do. I found them both to be quite likable and very normal, naturalistic under the circumstance. And uh, yeah, I think this one just, you know, it had very simple expectations for itself and has a very clear focus as a result um yeah so yeah i think the love story elements and the horror elements blended quite nicely it's it's the kind of thing that breaks up the flow of a month like this really well so we're glad to have it in there and um yeah yeah, it, it, it this one just sort of hit what it was trying to do for okay i mean i yeah no it's 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 the of the lot. I think it's the most you of the group. Sure, that's fair. Yeah. Um. And then just before we started recording, and technically this is when you when you listen to this, if you listen to it when it goes out, it's technically today's film. But sometimes we get ahead just because of scheduling or whatever. Um. So um. Embrace the mystery. In- indeed. Uh. So then their third film that we're watching is The Endless, and. This was probably my least favorite of the group Um, Mm. and partially because um, not so much because the two of them star in it. I think they're fine in, again, a very mumblecore sort of naturalistic kind of way. Um, I got some news for you then. (laughs) Oh, dear. Does it get worse? (laughs) Well, uh, if you're going to keep going, something in the dirt is basically just the two of them. Okay. well, that's I don't think that's the problem in and of itself. Okay. I think it's it's not so much the performances. It's more uh, as written. The brothers that if, uh, they play in this movie are just inherently less interesting than either the couple or the friends from the previous two films. And so Fair. there's less of an emotional engagement to keep you through the slow burn stuff and the waiting for the shoe to drop stuff. And mm. with this one... It's, uh, like I actually think watching Resolution so soon after it kind of does it a disservice because if you've seen and more or less understand what's happening in Resolution and then you go to this one, at, like you're kind of hoping for there to be more to it and there kind of is. Certainly the scale is bigger, yeah. but at the same time it it feels like the budget is about the same. So... You know, there's some cute tricks they do to make it seem like more is going on than it is. And I think once you realize what's going on, it is kind of an interesting dynamic. And the way they incorporate the characters from Resolution, I think, is effective. It mm-hmm. It's very we were watching that and being like, oh, they're doing Marvel stuff now. You don't say. Um, yeah. So it all it, this was another one where it's like fine. There's not anything wrong with it. I didn't like have a bad time, but I was yeah. pretty bored throughout. And I, I found without like some sort of emotional engagement with the characters that the other two films had, this one just kind of started to lose me a lot more quickly. And then when sure. the payoff finally came, it wasn't enough for me to sort of be satisfied. So yeah, with- why? No, I was going to say wild, wild move on my part. This was the first of theirs I saw. 
Yes. Okay. So with that said, that year. with that yeah. said, was the stuff with the resolution characters absolute nonsense, or was it all kind nonsense? of? <laughs> I mean, uh, not knowing fully what was going on beyond like this is something. Uh, I got very little out of it the first time, and going backwards didn't like help necessarily. But it went, oh, that was unnecessary. Essentially, like it's not like I'm fine with that. I kind of like indie like shared universes. God, I love I like Kevin Smith. Like he kind of like started that. But um, it, it, it kind of like it when it does something more. Well, yeah, it, it more like just sort of it reinforces its own thing, but it doesn't really add to the greater narrative. I, I don't know. No, it felt like it felt like um kind of felt like a i don't want to say an ego move or because i don't know that that's what it is but it felt like they kind of drank their own kool-aid a little more than they maybe they should have at that point in their career well or i wouldn't even go that far i would maybe just say like you know they probably had plenty of time in the five years in between to like say well what would a sequel to this be or like oh well, what would we do with these characters if we could have kept it going and i think that a lot of those ideas sort of manifested themselves and found their way into this one where they yes. were able to find it i mean you know we can say it's a related enough thing i think you would just call this a straight up sequel like it is very much exploring well, the same themes it's the same location it's the same yeah overall i think not enough people had seen it to call it a sequel i mean maybe not but having just watched them almost back to back like i cannot imagine watching the endless and understanding those scenes um yeah. but but you know Fair. neither here nor there so you have seen their next two films, uh, yes. Synchronic and Something in the Dirt. Our yes. original plan was to skip Synchronic because my original research had deduced that it would, didn't really seem like too much of a horror movie. Do you feel it's like that's sci-fi horror? Sci-fi horror. No. Uh, Do you think there's enough horror to it to justify? It's more sci-fi than horror, I would say. I don't remember it a ton. Mm. I know it's kind of their best reviewed one. Really? Because it's uh, the lowest also, on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Or maybe it's like it was maybe 79 some people... and the rest are in the mm. 80s. I think The Endless maybe. might be the highest, which is weird. Interesting. Maybe maybe just some of the reviews I saw were more enthusiastic. I think the difference is also it's got real actors. Well, like, yeah. In, essentially, instead of the two of them, it's, although, it's Anthony uh, Mackie and Jamie Dornan. Although Luke Taylor Pucci in um, Spring... Sure, sure, sure. No, like, it's not always just them, but, like... But, well, but, this... but as close to movie stars as they've gotten, certainly. Yeah, I mean... Well, so so How... let me expand, because the original plan was to just go straight to something in the dirt. But yeah, that one, it looks like, also potentially kind of rides the line in terms of qualifying as horror. Yeah, I think it, I think it's all or nothing. I think you do both or you don't do either. Well, and I think that's kind of what we're thinking. And I haven't really talked about it with Kelly because, we again, we just finished The Endless. But I think being a little underwhelmed with that one and of the five, Spring and The Endless were sort of the two more higher profile ones that had been on my radar for a while. Whereas the other yeah. two would be more about checking a box than necessarily enthusiasm so we have several that we've had to move around or that are in our sort of you know reserve docket that we could easily you know plug in um if we decided that we're done from here or we could just power through but well what are the uh what would you be plugging in because that that might also help 
Um, like, what would you if you were subbing out two movies? What would you put him in? Put it in. So right now, let me just look at where we're at. So right now, as we have it without Synchronic, so um, because of my my thinking is, if we added Synchronic, then we would take out uh, Lights Out, which we'll be watching later in the month. Which is obviously Ooh, much I like more, lights out. I do too, and it's much more explicitly horror. And Kelly hasn't seen it, so that feels like mm. a good one to keep. Yes, ideally. And then are uh, they ever going to make that sequel? Sorry, I, they were supposed to make a sequel to Lights Out. Oh, they were. Well, the director did the Shazam movies. I think he said he wanted to make it once he finished um, the second one. I suspect he's not going to be doing a Shazam three, so that may end up being his next. Well, project. yeah. Well, I think he'd already talked about, like, once I finish Shazam 2, I want to go do Lights Out Although you would think that's the kind of movie where, like, the studio would have just farted out a direct-to-DVD sequel already. He must have some sort of, But I guess it's not that era anymore as well. Well, I think he, I think it's, I think um, James Wan produces it. So maybe because they were both in that world, they could be like, we'll come back to it. They've got a bit more sway there. Well, I want to say it did relatively well, so I'm sure they'd be happy to wait. Uh, probably. I think maybe just no one cares at the moment. Sure. But yeah, definitely, it definitely did, um, well, considering it was like, well, not an indie, it was, it was doing the Blumhouse kind of thing of like, let's not spend a ton on this. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, that's a solid one to add, especially if, uh, you think it'll get her, but, um, what's the other option? Uh, and then the other one is um, the Matt Reeves version of Let Me In, uh, which she has not seen. Ooh, also good. I mean, those are better movies. How much do you feel like you want to scratch the itch? Well, let me put it this way. Uh, after Resolution, I was sort of feeling like, okay, that was solid enough to keep going. After Spring, yeah. I was definitely enthused and excited to keep going. After The Endless, I'm kind of like, if we stopped here, I'd be fine. But what I was going to ask, because you've seen them, is is there enough in the other two to warrant continuing, at least for the purposes of Halloween, if not nothing else? Um, Horror-wise, not as much as what you're replacing it with, potentially. I think you would enjoy Synchronic. Um, something in the Dirt, I, I, I couldn't tell you how, how you were going to feel about it. I, I, I didn't love it, but it's just... Because it's just them. It's their, It's almost their smallest movie in a way. Mm-hmm. And it's deeply weird. Not that their other stuff isn't. Um, it's sort of their biggest ask because it's such a limited concept. Sure. And they, they really kind of don't care. It's a COVID movie also. Right. So gotta, well, I got that, that. Like it's Well, yeah, it's like shot in one of their apartments. So that's also like, are you in the mood for like that kind of like, vibe also also oddly I, not that i don't mean to talk you out of it but like something in the dirt is like almost two hours long also well so are the last two yeah they they make longer movies than you would like is the problem well I and i'll tell you what kelly and i have been really enjoying a, this string of 90 minute movies for the first stretch of the month <laughs> especially well, yeah. after our previous thing was um uh, 30 days of sci-fi in july where you get a lot of like two and a half to three hour movies this run of like you know 90 minutes in and out has been really well, nice. i will tell you so yeah well, well, which I, which i know 80, 80 minutes yeah which i know i'm about to like this whole month will be just for us to mentally balance out killers of the flower moon 
Totally. Well, how about this? Why don't you why don't you put those two to the side and come back to them in, in Sci-Fi Summer? Yeah, maybe that'd be more appropriate. Yeah, that way you space them out. So maybe you're more excited to revisit them as opposed to like this feels like an obligation. Yeah, well, because I feel like we've gotten kind of like a nice blast of their stuff and like we get the gist, we get what they're good at, we like it, but like there's a lot yeah, of other they're, stuff. They're moving, they're moving into more sci-fi from where you are anyway. Sure. So maybe save that for sci-fi summer. That's a cool idea, actually. All right. All right. See, that's right. that's why I wanted to talk it out. There we go. Did everyone enjoy the sausage being made? <laughs> that's your peek behind the Let curtain this week, folks. Exactly. Um, so that's that's where that's where horror has been at. And then uh, I wrapped up the New York Film Festival, which wraps up uh, the festival season for me. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk awards in a second, because I want to just throw one horror movie out. I watched um, It's a Wonderful Knife. Yes, I'm excited. Um, it's very much what you think it's going to be. I don't like it as much as Freaky, but Freaky is just like almost overwhelmingly clever. And this is this is just the concept done well. Um, it is just it's a wonderful life, but if there were murders in it, in a way, <laughs> um, there's it's not trying to trick you. There's not really any twists or anything like that. I think I was just so trained for like, where's the the, the extra thing, and there sure. isn't. Oh, really? And I, and I, yeah, like, it's just like everything you think is going to happen if you're, if you know the original story and you know, like the beats of a horror movie happen, but without the, the twistiness that like modern horror has become sort of obsessed with and it, and it threw me, but at the same time, it's almost refreshing. Okay. Uh, very much a like writer forward movie. I, I don't think the directing was anything like wild. But it's it's very much continuing the whole thing of like I think we were really into Michael Kennedy yeah as like a unique horror storyteller so <clears throat> if you like his stuff definitely something to watch um, I the other thing for me and this your, your mileage will vary in most people's well is I don't really like It's a Wonderful Life I think the movie kind of sucks no I hate it <laughs> yeah so like it does have affection for that movie in a way well it would have to and I, for something like this to really yeah. work. Yeah, so uh, definitely worth watching, and I'm curious once you see it to, to chat a little bit more about it. Um, but is it worth watching? Yes. Is it um, like did it blow me away? I wish it did, but I, I, I it it furthered my belief that we have a we have a special voice in horror. So I'm I'm likely I think going to be talking to him. So I'm 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 glad I'm going to get to chat with him and sort of see where his head is at. Also, if you don't follow him on on Twitter, uh, real good follow. Oh yeah, always a fun presence. Yeah, and like like a dude who's ready to blow up his career at a moment's notice. Not in a bad, like, getting canceled way, but in a, like, I will tell you what I actually think. Yeah, he's he's definitely somebody who's not afraid to give you sort of a peek behind the curtain. Yeah, he's not famous enough yet to be worried, I think, in yeah. a way, which is cool. Like, he's, he's, he's what we used to like about when we first did, like, social media and there were writers who were just like – we're just happy someone is paying attention, knows our name. Like, what do you want to know? We're all we're, – we're, we're going. Like, yeah. the guys who did um, – uh, was it Payback and um, Solitary Man? Um, I can't think of their names, but uh, like Brian Culpelman maybe is one of them. Like I think he for the longest time was like, I'll tell you some stories. Like we'll just do Twitter threads on like, here's the story. If we won't tell you who it was, but we were working on this project with this just absolute like ass of a director. And they're just fantastic stories. And I feel like he's sort of the next generation of I don't give a fuck. Let's talk. And I like that. Absolutely. 
Well, and I think totally. if nothing, the writer's strike has definitely emboldened a certain kind of writer to get more vocal about that kind of thing, which can only be good for up and coming writers to sort of get that sort of real world, you know, um, not experience, but perspective. Yeah. That's fair. Um, so um, let's take a question before we get into the award stuff, because that's kind of just kind of like bring us home, I think. Yeah. We have, uh, let's see, Kfly208 says, um, well, they're both, they're both, both awards questions, so we're going to get there anyway. Um, best picture seems to be coming down to Oppenheimer Killers of the Flower Moon, Poor Things, and Barbie. With two of them being bleaker, darker films and two of them being more feel-good comedies, how do you see the race playing out between the four? Do they cancel each other out and something comes up the middle of the win, or is it just going to be a very tight vote total? What wins or nominations will you need to see convince you that one of them is the front runner? Um, I will say I don't think Killers of the Flower Moon has a chance to win Best Picture. It is it is probably too bleak. And um, here's a thing I've started to consider, um, and it applies kind of in retrospect to Spielberg last year, and I think it will apply to Scorsese here, it applied to him with The Irishman, and, and I think we will sort of see that continue, is big, massive A-list, A-plus list filmmakers, right? And uh, Nolan may be the exception this year just because of the way the movie has been talked about, but he could actually fall into this this, this sort of trap. The expectation game is not their friend, right? No, it never. As it soon, definitely hasn't been in the past few years. As soon as one of these filmmakers announces their next film, it's nominated for 10 Oscars, right? Right. And more often than not, they get most of the nominations. But I don't know if it's exhaustion or if it's um, it'll never live up to what you guys thought it would be for the last three years. They don't win things. Irishman went home empty-handed. Fablemans went home empty-handed. Um, there's a world in which Killers of the Flower Moon goes home empty-handed. They're, they're just... They're not built to win things in a weird way. They're built to get nominated. We even something just... like uh, Power of the Dog with uh, Campion, which I would say would be a very minor example of what you're talking about, gets the most nominations and still gets only one weird win. Sure. I mean, at the same time, with the Academy slightly changing and slowly changing, I wonder if there's something there to that of just the tastes are a little different and we sure. don't uh, bow before the masters in the same way beyond the in nominations. Um, so I, I don't know. Wait, listen, is it a deserving winner? Yeah. Killers of the Flower Moon's a great movie. Is it just way too much of a downer for them? I think so. Now Oppenheimer in a very good spot, but we, we know what happens with that spot. So I, I don't put a ton of stock into it. Anyone saying it's definitely going to win, anyone saying it's definitely not. Mm -hmm. It's what we've been saying pretty much since it came out. It's the front runner, especially with sort of the static way we're we're dealing with the race right now. I don't know what's going to change, but like keep an eye out. Like I, I, I think there is a something coming down the middle to win that I'll talk about in a moment. Um, poor Things has a chance, mainly because of everything everywhere last year, because you'll see in December, this movie is fucking weird. <laughs> Like, it, like the favorite was weird, but it was done in a way that was appealing to voters, right? And it looked like an Oscar movie. Sure. You just if you if you had that movie on mute, it looks classy, right? Yeah, for the most part. Um, even poor things like it's it's such a distinctive look. It's like if Tim Burton no longer sucked. Which, it's a bolder take than I normally do, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like 
everything about it is stylized in an interesting way to like within an inch of its life, but it works because of the world. And then there's Barbie, which it, it just has to get over the hump of its Barbie. And I yeah. don't know how that's going to go. Like, honestly, it's my favorite movie of the year. So I want it to win. But I, I, I just I can't see the people who are going to vote for, um, you know, the, the color purple. Right. Being like Barbie, if not, you know, the, the, the way the vote total kind of comes up. Sure. So that that worries me in terms of Barbie winning now. It's not that big a deal. Also, Barbie, like, uh, if you guys look at my predictions, I moved Gosling up to one just to see how that feels. And, like, that's a thing that could happen. Like, a, you know, a prime acting nomination. Barbie's going to contend below the line. Like, Barbie could be a screenplay winner. It'll probably get a director nomination. Like, I, it's not out of the hunt. But it's it's not a clean path. So, right. um, if I had to rank them, I would say... Oppenheimer, Poor Things, Barbie Killers of the Flower Moon in terms of likelihood of winning. And then um, if I had to, yeah, if I had to say my five right now, uh, I don't know if it's reflected my predictions, but I might say the five, the fifth spot might now be the holdovers. Okay. Because that is like pitch into a very different crowd, but also as kind of everyone enjoyed. It's doing the preferential ballot thing. This has nothing to do with the fact that by the time you listen to this, I will have interviewed um, <laughs> Alexander Payne. That's just funny coincidence. Because remember, I'm like, I like the movie quite a bit, but I'm not singing its praises in the way that the people who like fell over head over heels for that movie are. I thought it was, yeah, this is what I want out of Alexander Payne. And it's it's lingered in a pleasant way, I will say, which is the other thing about festival environment, right? Sometimes what you see is not what you saw. Yeah. You, you know, were you, were you in a good mood? Were you in a bad mood? That, and I think hindsight is helpful with festivals. It's kind of what I wanted to mention a little bit here is as you, you know, I'm very close still to New York Film Festival. I only saw a few things because I saw them elsewhere. But thinking back to Telluride, thinking back to Toronto, the, the, the state I was in while watching something is not how I feel currently. So there are things that I, I recognize like, oh, that would have worked better now yeah. or that only worked that well because of that. And, and and if you can think of that, you can kind of get into the headspace of other um, people who are bigger fans or lesser fans. So in terms of what I think I need to see, I need to see precursors. Same things we need to see every year, right? Well, That's and I just, think we're just at that point earlier than usual where we kind of know what all the cards are, but we don't know how strong any of them are until precursors tell us, essentially. Exactly. I mean, we spent so long kind of saying Robert Downey Jr. might just run away with it, and he certainly could. But at this static moment where they're not campaigning, I mean, it's just as easy to say that, like, is the passion going to be there? And, and Gosling might have more passion. Sure. In fact, sure. probably has more passion, but has more detractors. But also the season proper in terms of that level of campaigning isn't really underway and can't be while the actor strike is going on, which is a whole other wrinkle to this whole thing. But sure, um, minus we'll finish your thought because there's one quirk to that. Or well, go ahead, because I was about to go off on a different thought. OK, so hold that thought. Don't forget it. There is one quirk to that in that A24 movies can campaign. They have the interim agreement. Well, sure. But out of the four that we were just talking about, how many of those qualify? Yeah, no, no. Exactly. They are. They are. Um, Oppenheimer and Barbie got to do it beforehand. Killers of the Flower Moon is going to be very Scorsese centric. Right. And mm -hmm. poor things. 
I'm guessing will be Yorgo centric by the when they when they start up. It'll have um, to be. But then that means the that out of the four, the only ones that got actor centric campaigns are going off of residual goodwill from the summer, which may not which I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that changes things. Yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting exercise. Also, we're setting up for a year in which next year we can't take a lot of lessons from, which I hate. Well, very really much like so. being able to look back. Well, yeah, it's like the COVID year. It's like, oh, we kind of know that there's a lot of asterisks here. Um, exactly. There's no way there's no way you can look at like the nomad Latin path and be like, you can do that again. Like, nope. Nope. Yes. If the not. world ends again, you can do that. Um, we just all kind of agree that movie would work for what we were doing. Exactly. Well, at least other people did. Um, but real quick. So uh, on, on the topic of those four, because I agree that those are the four that are in some various order in the one through four slots. Um, I think at this point, it's just we don't have enough information to be firm enough about anything coming ahead of them yeah like listen maybe maybe the iron claw is amazing it, it yeah. looks great or the color purple maybe that ends up being the new front runner hell maybe the fucking well, I mean, george clooney boat movie ends up surprising all of us and- hey i end up usually liking his movies so who knows you know what the the one i know i know the the sexy one this week is american fiction right and i was i was just about to say we're yes. talking about like potential fits that one for me I'm not saying it's necessarily up there, but it's definitely gained the most momentum recently. Sure. Um, I think the trailer was an interesting – so I went – I did a a virtual press conference thing last week. To, we, we watched the trailer beforehand and listened to Corey Jefferson and like – so here's the thing. The trailer is very good, right? Yeah. I loved the it. The trailer is very comedy-centric. Sure. And I – that's not inherently awards-friendly and I think that trailer – showed me two things one i think i'm i'm gonna like the movie more than i thought i would because when you when sort of a movie gets hammered down your throat you can kind of be resistant to it sure so i think the trailer did a good job of of warding that off they'd be like no no this is a movie you will enjoy um because i think people don't always realize that when you say something is this good and and this amazing and this different well you set up expectations right one of the worst things that happened to belfast was all of us saying was going to win best picture yeah like, if we'd just been like, that movie was lovely and you'll enjoy it, everyone would be like, wow, I liked it as much as you did. But because we said it was amazing, everyone went in kind of arms folded and went, well, this is good, but. Is it amazing? And, exactly. And it's not setting out to be that. It was just kind of organically amazing if it washed over you for the first time. Um, with American fiction, now I'm back in the like, oh, I'm excited for this. Now, at the same time, that trailer is a trailer for a comedy. Right. Sure. So there is definitely a world in which it is just a very good comedy. And it is the exception of the the TIFF audience award, which, as we said, it's a bad look. that That's the type of movie that gets skipped over. But it is trafficking in the world that Best Picture does not usually go for. It does sometimes. But it would be a somewhat unique nominee, a deserving one, presumably. And I'll tell you, I actually could have seen it today but i couldn't go um or yesterday when you're listening to this or friday but i can't make them work so i'm still waiting for for my screening to work out but it seems like it has to be enjoyed first right and and sort of hit yeah now it could be it could be a very like early popular precursor player but will it do guilds right that's when we get into like the less sexy talk of like well here's the sausage being made right yeah you have to get in here more so than there. And and we just don't know. The the big four we talked about seem primed for both, right? And if they miss significantly on one, you start to 
question. But for now, they're not. Same with like the holdovers. The holdovers seems like it's going to hit just enough everywhere to not go anywhere. Right. I'd be very surprised if it like tanked somehow. Yeah. Awards wise. So we'll see. Uh, and I think a very tight vault total. Uh, we have no way of knowing. But like, does it seem close? Yes. Because of how static things are and how, you know, the even the early word about like, well, maybe it's just going to be RDJ. Right. That's very much faded into like, no, wait, remember how this is like a stack supporting actor lineup and it seems like four locks are happening. Yeah. Like, are we really going to give an award already? Like, let's let them fight it out a little bit. And and to that end, and then Miles, I want to hear your thought. It's actually kind of interesting that if there is still the strike going on, they're all just going on the merits. Yeah. You can't, you're not going to have that moment of like, oh, De Niro's like an old dude, right? So when he, he's on the path, you don't get the, and he's going to just yell about Trump a lot, right? As, as he did last time. Um, but Gosling is a super charmer. Robert Downey Jr. can be charming if he wants to be, right? Or if he's going to play up the seriousness of the subject but like you have those or like mark ruffalo is just a teddy bear like you you start to have that impact right yeah the shaking hands kissing baby stuff if you're not doing any of that and it's just the work i'm very curious to see how that goes because that can go in any direction well and i think an argument could definitely be made that that was an area where um the um the team from everything everywhere really shined last year and really got to do a lot of their best campaigning yeah, exactly. They were, um, I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis has an Oscar because of it. Yeah, well, but all of them, I think, and I think the collective, the family dynamic that they were able to sort of foster throughout the campaign and all being supportive of each other and eventually led to them all getting nominated. Like, it's it was this infectious kind of thing that I think they were able to, as part of the narrative, in addition to all the individual narratives that the various actors had. So that's the kind of thing that, yeah, in a year like this, you absolutely couldn't replicate. Totally. Um, our other question comes from oh, Josie oh, DeMarco. Really quick. Oh, go ahead. I didn't go say ahead. On, my, yeah. on the, uh, the big four. Um, so we have similar thoughts, but we do differ in a few key areas. Um, I agree with you about Flower Moon, having not seen it. I will have seen it by the time we talk next week. Um, yeah, I, I suspect you're going to um, like it, respect it, find several performances very good, and be slightly exhausted by the running time. Yeah, I'm, I'm anticipating that. Also, remember what I said about the ending. What did you say about right, that? Right, that it has something in common with um, with um, Wes Anderson, with uh, Asteroid City. Oh, keep that in your mind. Okay. I want to talk. I want to talk about that when we. May, that may be an off-air conversation, but you'll understand when you see it. I guess. Okay. Also, it's one of his best. End, it's one of his best endings. I will say though. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm excited for that. Um, I am looking forward to it. I, I hope it'll be great, and I think it will get a lot of nominations. But yeah, I think anyone who thinks it's a front runner for anything, and I've said this all season, I just don't think there's any basis for that based on just how voting has gone over the past few years and just his past few movies. Um, exactly. There's no reason to think it's going to do any better than that. I think it will get tons of nominations. I think Lily Gladstone was sort of, you know, the best chance to pop for a win. But now we'll see. Um, it, it's it's all a big we'll see on that one. But I think it goes towards the point that we've been making, which is that the longer, tougher watch ones are just not what they're going gravitating to. Which would no. normally work against Oppenheimer, but it's cl- like it's nearly a billion dollar like crowd pleaser, like, and it's got the Christopher Nolan element of it all that I think does help it rise above that. So I do. Yeah, think it's somehow it's, skipped. It's somehow avoided the pitfall so far. So far, 
Um, so I think it is very much the front runner right now. But I think the fact that it is the front runner right now is what makes me maybe a little more bullish on poor things right now. Because going back to our conversation of like, you know, if you look at the past few winners, when given the choice between something more positive and upbeat and something more downer, they always, at least the past few, have been going more upbeat. So given the choice, um, that does seem to get, to give poor things some help. And, you know, the fact that both Everything Everywhere and something like The Shape of Water have very much paved the way for a weird film like this to still, you know, take the top prize. Um so I think in the world where Oppenheimer's frontrunner status potentially ha- does similar damage that um, it did to something like Belfast, um, mm-hmm. I think Poor Things is right now sort of, I, I, I guess in my head, sort of the front runner by virtue of the fact that the other front runner won't necessarily be the front runner six months from now if that makes sense yeah um, yeah I mean, and we're gonna see how uh you know the early precursors the critics groups will probably go more for a poor things or a holdovers or a, a um past lives or a american fiction than an oppenheimer or sure. a barbie well and so to go back to american fiction though as it relates to these ones that is very much if they'd find that all of these different films are like too weird or too difficult to nominate for one reason or another um american fiction if it works as well as like a crowd pleaser and as like you know a f- feel good is the wrong term but like as something that's a bit more like it's a it's a crowd pleaser because it's a normal movie about normal people as opposed to like weird frankenstein monsters or you know like historical figures or whatever um, and you know, if you look at something like a coda, maybe that it, it depends what they're looking for. Um, but that's, Fair. that's a reason I would say not to, um, to underestimate that one, certainly. Um, but then as far as Barbie, Barbie to me is the biggest mystery of the season because th- it has a very high ceiling in terms of what it could do, but th- the threshold for access I feel is tougher than any of the other films we've just talked about. And I think unfortunately it is just the stigma of it being a toy commercial. That is what it's going to keep bumping up against. And I think the fact that, you know, obviously it's billion dollar status and being the biggest movie of the year helps with this, but it is still a lightning rod for debate and all the worst kind of people do, you know, want to come after it as, you know, a linchpin and, depending how much controversy they feel like courting any given year, that is something that could potentially come into play um, and and ultimately factor against the film. So I think for me, Barbie is the one I'm the most hesitant on in terms of predictions, just because I think until we start seeing some concrete evidence from the precursors that like, there's enough momentum to carry it over that threshold because I mean, remember when we thought the Lego movie was like the animated movie front runner and then it didn't even get nominated. I'm, I'm worried yeah. that a similar situation on a bigger scale is going to happen here. Sure. And, 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 the case. and you know, who, who's to say it won't turn around and end up being the front runner for everything. I, I do agree that, you know, some nominations and something like a supporting actor or a screenplay or something like that could definitely be, you know, the big win of the night, but TBD for now, but so exactly that there's a lot going on there. But as far as uh, ranking them for now, I would say um, poor things, Oppenheimer, Flower Moon, Barbie. Sure, why not? Um, 
Josie DeMarco says, is it possible the poor things could win Best Picture without Emma Stone winning lead actress instead of winning director and or screenplay or tech or two? I'm asking this because The Shape of Water won without Sally Hawkins winning actress. Um, sure, but also probably not. I think it's, like it's definitely it's, possible, but the but getting Best Actress would help immensely. <laughs> Yeah, it's also a much weirder movie than The Shape of Water and a much edgier movie. Like The Shape of Water, despite being a movie that opens up with a mute woman masturbating and involves her fucking a fish man, right, is a very traditional movie at, at its core. Mm-hmm. That's part of what made people vibe on Del Toro, who who normally would have been like, Ugh, too weird, right? It was because it's got that he old was making cinema charm to it. Yeah, he made an old fashioned Hollywood movie just done in his fucked up way, which is what we liked about him and it, right? Yeah, I mean, you guys like a lot of you like it more than I did, but I respect it, right? And I love that he has an Oscar. I think what a what a unique human being, you know, close personal friend from our dinner together. <laughs> Uh, I do that just to bother you because I know you were just like, fuck, you got to have dinner with him instead. <laughs> um, Get to but, play with the Pinocchio puppet, motherfucker. Yeah, we talked about video games. He called the, the Weinsteins fucks. It was great. He was he was everything you wanted him to be and more. Um, I'm so happy whereas, for you. you. Exactly. Whereas you apparently killed Burt, Burt Young. Yeah. Burt Young died. Oh, uh, no. How dare right. you? I wasn't going to bring that up. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I as soon as I was right before we were starting, I got the, the Hollywood Reporter uh, message and I almost sent it to Miles being like, you monster. Um, Listen, all see, I'll say is that I'm really glad I got all my anti poly sentiments out before this happened. Oh, but would it, for the joke, it would have been fantastic if that was the same episode. Just like, Miles, guess what just happened? Oh, God. Like, he heard it. No, uh, wonderful life, successful actor um despite miles's distaste for paulie yeah but no so um poor things is a much um more sexual movie there's a lot more going on that may put off an audience member so i think you need to be roped in by emma stone and you need to i think look at it as a an oscar winner in that sense um so i would say if it didn't pull off that win the the barrier for a win is a lot tougher whereas if it does pull off that win i think it's really in play if that makes sense yeah i mean it, it could win it could just win for her right that that's not a an issue necessarily but i think if it's falling short in some categories that doesn't make it more likely to win the big one sure so keep that in mind um also um in terms of like my channel's changing. Spider-Man No Way Home is on. And you know that weird um, Venom scene at the end, the post-credits thing? Yeah. You're like, sure. Did you uh, clock who the bartender was? Uh, it's the guy from um, uh, Ted Lasso. Yeah, it's Danny Rojas. Yeah. I just looked up one. Why do I know that guy? Football is life. Christo Fernandez. You've uh, seen what like a, two what a, more seasons of that show than I have. How did I know that? I know. I don't know because I I because I, I probably had I even seen the show at the time I saw the movie I don't remember. Also, I think I was spending that whole time being like, "Really, we got a Venom scene? That's never gonna pay off." Boy, is it not? Well, yeah, it doesn't doesn't look like it. Um, so yeah, that's that's sort of where I'm at on on poor things in picture without it. I don't know that it's gonna be a Shape of Water thing. I think it has a chance to win because of the success of Shape of Water and everything everywhere and Parasite, but. Not necessarily following the same blueprint. Quite. 
yeah. Um, so last thing we'll talk about is the the sort of where we are with uh, festivals. Because honestly, I don't think we got a ton that changed the race. You know, like going into Telluride, right? right. We, we sort of thought one thing. What did we get? We got poor things overperforming. That's the same thing as Venice. So Venice debuts Ferrari, poor things, Maestro, the killer. Maybe one other thing. I don't remember. But, you know... Nothing in the same way that like when Tar hit the year before, I was like, oh, well, this is a thing, right? Right. Whether you thought it was or not, it's a thing. Um, poor things overperforms. But um, all of the other things, you know, Rustin, Nyad, all the strangers, the bike riders, um, Zone of Interest, which is a can movie, Anatomy of a Fall, which is a can movie. I'm, I, I'm, there are other things I'm sure I saw at um, Tell You Right. I'm just spacing on, but real quick, they don't um, really move. Incidentally, yeah. bike riders potentially no longer in play this season. They claim so we didn't cover it on the site just because it was such a nebulous uh, news. It, it's pulling its release date because they don't. They think they need to um, be able to put their actors out there. Austin Butler, Tom Hardy, like Jodie Comer. They're not wrong, uh, Michael Shannon, but they claim they still plan on coming out this year. So at least like doing like a qualifying run at the end. Well, so we'll see how the strike I don't know. goes then. <laughs> exactly. I think if it's still going on, maybe their 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 hand is forced. But if not, I think they want to do like maybe they'll just do like a last week of December release, come out in January or February and just do the campaign. But I think they were at the point where they had to start spending on marketing. And it was like, well, we probably need to put our cast front and center. So understandable. Also, not really an Oscar movie. But that's a whole other thing. But yeah, nothing really moved the needle besides poor things, I think, right? Yeah. Everything else was confirming it's good, confirming it's very good, confirming it's fair, right? You get to Toronto, that's even, aside from American fiction as a surprise, it's even more so the case, right? They don't really have a ton of premieres besides that. What do they premiere? They premiere um, Next Goal Wins, kind of shrugged at, right? Some people just don't like um, Taika now. So they were had their their claws out. Um, the people who love them don't seem to be around anymore. Then there's the rest of us who are like, this is fine. This is good. Whatever. Um, dumb money, which is fine. Fine to good, right? Not really an Oscar movie. It was hoping to be a hit and propel itself there. And then everything else is stuff we've seen. So another Venice movie. Hitman does really well there. Comes to New York, does really well. But it's not necessarily an Oscar movie. Also, it's now at Netflix and they don't have a date yet. So that's probably next year, right? Yeah. New York. Has Ferrari played at Venice? Not really moving the needle. Has Priscilla played at Venice? Not really moving the needle. Priscilla gets very good reviews, actually. Um, better than my review, but not without, not with anyone claiming it's going to win anything, right? Sure. Uh, Maestro plays at New York. Killer plays at New York. They're, they're just kind of confirming things. So I, well, I don't honestly, know. Like the an, more I've seen of, um, or like the more people that have seen Maestro, the more mixed that one's starting to seem. Yeah, I think um, on the one hand, some of part of the subject matter has caught people by surprise. But I think to the other end of the spectrum, it's also just kind of like an elegant and handsomely mounted biopic. And and not everyone's into that anymore. And it's he's doing a thing. And there's a reason I think this movie has been kind of like floating around for a long time. And like I think Spielberg and Scorsese are producers because they at one point thought about making the movie. Right. But it's. It's old fashioned and it's expensive and and the audience isn't necessarily there for that anymore, which is yeah. why Netflix is a good fit. And Bradley Cooper kind of being having the star power of directing and acting is a good fit. And Carrie Mulligan's excellent. But 
Uh, yeah, that's that's one that's going to get by on reputation to some degree, sure. and could actually fall fall very far. But I don't I don't think that'll happen because it's still a good movie. But there's enough people to. It's actually kind of helpful in a way that there are people being like, I don't love it. Because if everybody loved it, you start to be like, oh, this is just going to get a backlash and, and be a waste of – it's going to take up space, right? Yeah. So now it's kind of on, on a more um, natural keel. Everything's gotten a step back. Like most of us at Telluride loved Rustin when it debuted and, and Tiff was not all about it at all. So it's hard to say. But I think all this to say, Oppenheimer is sitting there being like, all right, this is great for us. Yeah, it's not well, gonna, nothing in the festival kinda, season moved the needle. Yeah, it is kind of like a major home run, both like critically, commercially, in the way that like you kind of Timing. dream about otherwise. <laughs> yeah, so TBD on on what's going to happen there. But as we sort of, uh, you can read my my write up on the uh, the best of NYFF, which we have the Telluride and Tiff one out already. So there's that. Um, once it settles a little bit more, we'll see. We're in a, we're in a calm period again. So. Who knows? Uh, before we wrap up, since we'll get back to the award stuff, I wanted to hybrid um, horror because it's spooky season with um, box office because the Taylor Swift movie made all the money, right? So I was curious because you you don't look at like old box office. You, you kind of take a glance at what happened this week. But um, do you think you could give me the order without looking of the Saw franchise box office wise? I could I'll take, give you I could three strikes a, before you're out. Yeah, I could take a guess at it. All right. I think you can go whatever angle you want. You can. You, I'll, I'll. We'll start eliminating. So let's see if you can do it. Well, I think you I, don't have to go in. You don't have to go in order. I, I think I'm going to have to. Otherwise, I won't be able to keep it straight. Um, you, okay. So I'll start. You want to start with the, the highest grossing or yeah, franchise? I, I think highest grossing has to be. Okay. Yes. That's what I was saying. Don't start with like the bottom. Go yeah. one, two, three. Yeah. Like, or no, you can go from the bottom if you want. I meant don't start with chronological. No, no, that would, that, would, that would confuse it for sure. Um, yes. Now what's the highest grossing one? I want to say, I don't think it's the original. I want to okay. say it's like two or three. Okay. Make uh, your guess. Is it three? It's two, $87 million. Okay. Is it two and then three? Yes. Okay. Three made 80. Three is the biggest opening weekend. It made 33. Maybe that's two what made I was 31. Okay. 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 So those two. And then is it the first one? No. Oh. So you got, I'll give you one strike, even though you kind of got two wrong. I want I want the game to go a little longer. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So then is it four? Four is, comes in at number three. Also had a... 31.7 opening it made 63 so you've got 87 80 and 63 okay five maybe yes 56 million open to 30 million okay and then one yes 55 million open to 18 million okay now it's gonna get a little harder okay so you've got the top five okay and you've got two strikes to play with okay i think next number six It's going to be tricky, too, because uh, Saw X is still in theaters. Yes, I, I, I will. I will. We can put an asterisk on where it is, but it's uh, it's in a clear spot. There's a little bit of space right now between where if it can go up more or not. OK, that's fair. Yeah. Um, uh, saw 3D next. Yes. Forty five million open to twenty two. All right. All right. 
Um, then is it already saw X next? It is forty two point six and counting. Nice. So it can it can overtake three D, but that's as high as it's gonna go. I think I don't think it can get to fifty five. That's fair. Okay, so yeah. then next is it six? It's not strike two. Oh, okay, so then you can go right down the wire on this. Yeah. Well, it's either spiral or jigsaw, right? Yeah, yeah, and then you have to figure out which one of the other of the remaining two is next. Yeah, so it's spiral, jigsaw, and six are at the bottom yes. three. I will tell you the numbers are 38 million, 27 million, and 23 million. Interesting. Okay, I'm going to break up the order for a second and guess who, what's at the bottom. You want to guess 10? Yeah. I think it's probably spiral because of COVID. Yes, 23 million opened to 8.7. I didn't tell you the opening one, uh, one because it would have given you the hint. Okay. Like, it, yeah, if not for um, COVID, it would have probably been right in the middle. Because it opened okay. Like, 8.7 in COVID was not bad. No, totally. But then I think a lot else came out, like, right after it, and it just kind of got lost in the shuffle. It, it yes. didn't have also, legs as much as, like, X currently has. Agreed. Also, um, I've switched channels again. Leprechaun in Space is on. Amazing. Perfect. Perfect for what we're talking about. All right. So, so then the, eight and the, nine. The last three then would be um, Jigsaw, six, then Spiral. There you go. All right. We got Jigsaw there. at 38, six at 27, Spiral at 23. Well done. All right. Um, let's wrap up. Say where you can be followed. You know what? Since we, we talked a little bit about the festival season, tell me um, the movie throughout the festivals that um, its performance or lack thereof, depending on, has surprised you. Not American fiction, because we were all surprised by that. Sure. But what movie were you expecting to be a big thing and kind of like faded? Or what movie were you expecting to kind of get a indifferent response and was uh, well-received? You, you, however you want to approach the question. Sure, sure. Uh, well, you can find me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at MilesOnFilm. That's M-Y-L-E-S on film. Please check out my short films, American Exorcist and Once Upon a Dracula. They are both on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures and Chase Capo, respectively. Um, I think, honestly... Um uh, coming back to the bike riders, I think I was expecting that to be a bit more of a thing, given the pedigree and the cast and everything. And the fact that it seems to be good, not great, and mostly not a contender is what I've heard just pretty much unanimously, especially considering most mm. of the other things we thought were going to hit uh, have like either done well or have done like as expected, more or less. Like that was the one where I was okay. kind of like, oh, I was surprised. I thought that would do a little better. Totally. Fair enough. Um, you can find me, Joey Maggots, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, uh, Blue Sky, Threads, all that nonsense. Awards Radar on several of them. Um, I. It's harder because I was there. You know what I mean? Sure. But, for example, one we didn't talk. I guess I'll just use one we didn't mention. So Origin, right? Origin kind of had a roller coaster of a festival season. Yeah, I don't even know where it stands now. Exactly. So it plays at Venice to good but not great, right? No one really says it's bad. No one really raves about it necessarily. So it goes in the TIFF in an interesting spot. It's also, I think, the 
it has a little more time after Neon acquires it. So you go, okay, so they believe in it, right? And I see it with a crowd. I saw it at a at a, um, a gala screening. So you know, they're they're pretty much those screenings always go well. I mean, I saw I saw Dear Evan Hansen at one of those screenings, and people liked it. So oh God, tells you tells you where we're at. Um, but you know, I, people were all bad. I really think the movie is quite good. It's it's work though. But then after the fact, you start to hear that people not grumbling, but just being like, eh, it didn't do it for me. So there's a reason I think you haven't seen it dated by Neon yet. Because I think they're just like, well, this might be like a long shot at this point. So do we do we hold it? Maybe try another festival, right? It's small enough. Maybe it can go to Sundance. Or maybe they try to go prestige and go to Cannes and see how that goes. Mm-hmm. And relaunch it, right? And see if um, people forget about the, the light and difference and just take it on its on its merits again. So uh, I'm a little surprised that also because it's Ava and also because of the subject matter that it didn't catch on as a bigger deal. But it, it certainly did not, despite, um, you know, I really liking it, other people really liking it, and um, some people really um, pushing it, maybe to a gr- degree that didn't help the movie even, I would say. Um, we've, had it, we've had a couple of those where I feel like <clears throat> we're getting to that point where when people really, really go in the bag for something, there's almost an immediate skepticism yeah. as opposed to enthusiasm. So um, if anything, maybe my, maybe my like mildly restrained, like, I like this, we'll see, is uh, the, the better approach for, for what I do <laughs> um, as opposed to the, you know, polish off the Oscar and start putting the name on it. I don't know. That's also just never been my vibe. Sure. Yeah, so who's to say? All right, so next week we'll continue on with um, 31 Days of Horror Halloween. I don't remember our name. And then the week after will be our wrap-up of that, where, like I said, um, Kendall might join us. Also, that'll be about the time you'll start getting your article ready. Give or so, take, yeah. There'll be that. Yeah, yeah, it'll be around. It'll probably be the sun, this, that Sunday, right? So the the 4th, f- 5th, whatever the hell it is, right? I would imagine we'll do it as a Sunday Scary again. Yeah, exactly. I think that'll be the best bet. And that way, I'll have yeah, time it gives to you actually, a couple days. Because in the past, sometimes we've tried to cheat it to get it out in October, and I have to like see the last few movies like a few days ahead of time to make it work. And it's just, but no, because the thirty first is a Tuesday, and we're gonna. And I'm sure you're busy on Halloween. We're just gonna record probably on the first, and then podcast goes up on the second, and then the fifth. You know, it's a good way to end the horror stuff. Exactly. Yeah, so that's what we're probably gonna do. So, um, if you have any suggestions for anything. Uh, horror related for next week or the week after feel free to uh let us know i think kendall will um have seen five nights at freddy's so she'll want to talk about that i'm probably going to go see it as well i I think she's going to review it just because i i don't care and she's enthusiastic but that's really it for horror this month right there's not really a new release yeah i mean thanksgiving is kind of threading the needle and going coming out in between yeah there's one smaller one that i'm planning on seeing called uh suitable flesh but uh, I've heard of it, yeah. But the, far from like a high profile, you know. I think yeah. they were probably expecting that Saw Exorcist would sort of dominate the month, and then Five also, Nights at Freddy's comes in for the kill. Well, yeah, I think. Taylor well, I mean, Swift. also, yeah, but that's a yeah. relatively recent state of affairs. Isn't well, I it? think. Well, I mean, um, Exorcist was meaning to be out on the thirteenth, so that pushed them back a week. Sure. Well, and then Saw so think- was originally later in the month. Yeah, they uh, saw. I'm. I. I want. I don't know why they moved it up. I think they just thought people were eager, or maybe they wanted to get out of the Exorcist way, or or indeed get sure. out of Five Nights at Freddy's way. 
Maybe. I mean, it, it served them well. They, they um, you know, doing uh, solid, if unspectacular numbers. I'm sure they're pleased. Well, not yeah, over far, far I think from there was disappointing a, numbers. Exactly. I think there was a world at one point where they thought, like, maybe this is going to be like a smash. But I think those days for the franchise, like horror does well, but it's it the horror does really well is the PG-13, like, teenagers want to go make out horror movie the annabelles like the and the megans and, like and yeah exactly and and saw you're not really you're not really going to not pay attention to that one it's kind of yeah. asking for a hardcore viewer so if anything it's it's a, it's a good number so we'll see all right so yeah let us know if you want anything horror related and uh we will uh, i'm sure uh scare you at the movies next week so until then hey 90 minutes later that's not actually bad for us um See you in hell, everyone. <laughs> that was a bit rude. <laughs> bye, y'all. Well, say, we'll say boo instead of bye. Back me up here. <laughs> I just see you in hell. It's so aggressive. I bet instead of see you, ne- see you at the movies, see you in hell. No, good, I, uh, I, I get it, but it's just it has a different connotation. <laughs> sure. Uh, fucking leprechaun just cut off a finger with a scissor for some reason. Why is he using sp- scissors? He's in space. Be more magical. He's also wearing like a hard. He's also wearing a hard hat, like he's a fucking uh, construction worker. Also, does he have a name? Leprechaun. I think he's just Leprechaun. Yeah. That's a missed opportunity. Shouldn't he be like Seamus or something? You'd think. I remember b- being a little put off when I saw the first one, and it's just him being like, "Oh, dude, it's me. I'm a Leprechaun," and that's like all of his dialogue. And I was just like, oh, yeah, "Okay." Considering... I-, I thought we we're gonna be doing a little something here. No. Why? Yeah. Why are there also seven considering? Of these? <laughs> Quite soon, they got wildly racist. Like they didn't, they didn't do anything with the leprechaun. Like they had respect for the leprechaun. I don't know uh, that they have that much respect for the leprechaun. I think everyone's a fair target. I don't think they have that much respect for themselves, but that's another story. Indeed, I think the episode's <laughs> technically still going. So bye, y'all. Yes, there we go. We'll see you at the movies in hell. <laughs> so I really, I really pushed for that. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content.